Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 9th, 2015, and we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, Chapter 4, We Agnostics, and we are at page 48, paragraph 1, that begins with, The Reader May Still. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Amy W., The Twelve Traditions, Karen U., Readers for the text are Anne-Marie M., Sharon R.S., and Du L. The share code, the reference number for yesterday, which was our Sunday special edition um, on Bill's story, that is February 8, 2015, is 7310. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amy W. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. Amy W. from California, Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to, out, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Uh, thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Amy. I will now ask Karen Yu, please, to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Karen Yu, compulsive overeater from Michigan. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Well, thank you, Karen. You, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study. In the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 48, the very first paragraph that begins with, The Reader May Still. And at this time, I will ask, ask Anne Marie M. to begin reading, please. Good morning, Janice. Thanks for your service. This is Anne Marie M., Recovered Compulsive Eater in South Carolina. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes in them without a murmur of doubt. Why this readily acceptance? simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Thanks. Um, This reminds me of, it's, I think, better explained in the AA 12 and 12 in Step 3 on page 36, where it talks about um, a power that flows just where it's needed. Um, and it goes on to say, silently and surely, electricity, they use the same um, uh, same example, uh, silently and surely, electricity, that strange energy, so few people understand, meet our simplest daily needs and our most desperate ones, too. Ask the polio sufferer confined to an iron lung who depends with complete trust upon a motor to keep the breath of life in him. And I think it does take some amount of desperation for some to really just let go and trust that there is a God who loves us enough. Uh, I, I just believe for me he loves me enough. I believe he loves all of his 
children, and that's how I look at all of us, is that we are children of God, that he knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And all he asks is for um, trust in him. And we need to do the action. We can't just ask for something to happen. We can't just ask for accidents to happen or to be recovered. There's lots of action that we need to take, and they're explained in these steps in this book. Um, so the um, I, I just love the uh, – and there's so many other things, with, you know, our um, cell phones and our modern technology now, but the electricity, um, how many times we just pull on a switch and we don't have to know – why, how, and where these sources coming from. So when I think of God as an electrical switch, um, you know, I have to make the motion to turn it on, but he does the rest. And he does know, for me, he knows exactly what power I need. And um, when I trust that, my life is a lot more simpler and a lot more freeing. I don't have to figure everything out. It's, um, It's a lot simpler. So I'll pass with that. Thank you. And thank you, Anne Marie M. Anne Marie W. Oh no, M. I'm sorry, I got got upside down. Okay, um, who would like to comment on the two paragraphs on page 48 that Anne Marie read? Please. Kim. Press Hello, uh, Betty Ann. Okay, we have Kim. We have Betty. Ann. And X. Yeah. Anybody else? Karen S. Sharon S. Karen. Karen. Ooh. Karen. Uh, Yes. And and let's do uh, who else? Vasa. Yeah, Vasa. Okay, Thanks, we're going to go with Kim. We're going to go with Betty Ann, Karen S, and Vasa. Please go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Why this ready acceptance? I mean, step two is not about having a defined God. It's not about understanding who God is and putting your trust in God. What step two is, is do you have a need for that power? Step one convinces us that we're powerless, and step two is acknowledging the conclusion that we need that power. So I just want to give you a practical example for me. I have absolutely no sense of direction. I can't tell east from west, from south, from north. I'm embarrassed often. I I get lost in in hotels because I can't figure out what hallway to go down. And when GPSs came out, that changed my life. It changed my life. Here was a gadget that I was going to be able to put in my car, punch in the dress, and follow the directions and get from point A to point B without having to add an extra hour to my trip for getting lost. Now, when that came out and someone told me about the capabilities of the GPS, I had a need because of my lack of direction. I didn't have a need to find out from the manufacturer, where are these satellites up in, 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 the, in heaven? I want to know where they are. Can you please tell me who this engineer is who devised this? And I want to talk to him to see if he's really qualified. I want the schematics and I want all the testing that was done for this GPS. All I knew was that I had a need because of my powerlessness when it comes to direction. And that need propelled me to try this thing called a GPS. And my experience using the GPS gave me the confidence to use it on a regular basis. And even if I made mistakes, this wonderful machine would simply say, recalculating route, and I would change it. So if it told me to make a right in 500 feet, I'd make a right in 500 feet. If it told me in two miles I have to bear left, in two miles I would bear left. It was my need for that that allowed me to submit to the GPS. It's the same exact thing. We're asking ourselves now, with all the information that we learned before, do you conclude 100%, fully concede that you are powerless? And if that is your truth, based on your step one experience, you are going to need a power. And that, that is all that step two is asking us. And if you are struggling with that idea of needing a power, my, my suggestion is to go back to the earlier chapters because the way the big book is set up is that as you come to each step, you are propelled to the next step. So I always tell people, if you're struggling with step two, look at step one. If you're struggling with step three, look at step two. 
So all this is saying is why this ready acceptance? Because I understand at this point I am screwed unless I find a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Kim G. Betty Ann, you're up. Please press star one to unmute. Hi, this is... Am I, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Yes, can. It's Betty Ann, compulsive overeater. Well, this this was this paragraph was very important for me to hear. I have had some experiences lately, especially with a person who I depended on greatly. She was my cleaning lady, and I met her at an open AA meeting, and. Uh, she told me about herself and her experiences with alcohol and that she had three years of sobriety. And um, now she's back. She's in relapse. And I thought she had some trouble in her life. So there she thought God deserted her and he didn't answer her prayers the way she wanted. And um, then and she went back to her other friends, the booze. And I'm thinking, how fragile, one day at a time, I have to keep in spiritual fit condition. Because, and it scared me, and I realized because I thought, that could happen to me. That could happen to me right now. And, we're, and I feel like, who do you, when, when you have a problem, or there's worries or something, the beast is crouching at the door. So who do you let in? you let in the beast or do you let in God? And um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, if we don't, I feel like if we do the program and we trust God, then we will experience things we never thought we would. I mean, I've had a problem with food all my life and I have four years of back-to-back abstinence, which is a total miracle that I have never had in my whole life. But I don't, my, I do, you know, when I have trouble, what do I want to do? I think of food. I don't do it, thank you, God. But I said, oh, I have to eat something. That's my go-to friend. My go-to friend is to get on my knees and pray and let God in instead of the beast. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Betty Ann. Okay, Karen S. Hi, this is Karen S., Recovering Compulsive Eater in Michigan. Um, to me, this paragraph is all about trust. Um, you know, when we go, when we, we, we turn on the electricity. So what happens is we realize that we need light, and we look at the light switch, and we walk over, and we turn on the light switch. And our program works the same way. Our, uh, we realize that we need something more in our lives, that we're powerless over this disease. And then, and then we hope, in step two, we hope that there is a power greater than ourselves that, can, um, that can, can help us, can rescue us, can turn on the light, if you will. And then, um, my, and then I get into action. Um, I start doing the little things that begin to move me toward recovery. I maybe I give up a certain food, or I, or I um, maybe I completely surrender and say to my sponsor, which is what happened to me. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what more to do. Um, and we start really, really working the program. And as each of those steps goes along, we say, I can trust. I can trust this power that's greater than I because. Things are happening as a result of my work and my belief in this in this power greater than myself that move me along in my program. So um, I really give thanks for that, and I and I I think that's a little bit where Bill's going with this um, analogy or this metaphor about electricity, and I think it's just extremely um, appropriate. This is the first time I've shared on the um, recorded um, line, so I thank everyone so much for listening, and with that, I pass. And thank you, Karen S. Okay, Vasa, you're up. 
Good morning, everybody. I'm Vasa. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And uh, as I said, I'm Vasa, all recover compulsive Vida, calling from Florida. Before I came to the program, somehow I felt I needed a proof that there was a God I needed to see, to touch, to believe. Well, that didn't happen, you know. I, I guess the food was my God, you know. And and things just changed, you know, when I came in the program. You know, my sponsor thought me different. She said, we don't have to see and touch God. We have, it's, you know, faith, it's like blind. We go by blind faith, you know. It's mystery. Faith is mystery, how God works in our lives, you know. And, again, I, I was at a place in desperation when I came, and uh, I, was, I did admit I was powerless over the food, that my life became unmanageable with the food and not with other things in my life because I thought I, could, I was controlling, I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but when it came to the food, yeah, my life was unmanageable. So came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, I was willing because I was just so, so desperate. I was just so, so much in pain. I said, I don't care. You know, I, I am willing. You know, I, 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 there's no more to go, no more places to try. So she said, then you have to surrender to God. Made a decision to, to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I was terrified to do that. But I was in so much pain, I felt like I had nothing to lose. You know, I'm just going to die anyways. So this might, it gave me hope. Maybe, maybe this is going to work. And then, you know, I did what she told me to do. You know, I humbled myself in the bathroom, closed the door. I didn't want my husband, my kids to see me. And um, that's where I humbled myself, and I asked God to please me, please help me. I just can't do this by myself. And I really think something about forgiving from all, all my sins that I had committed in my, in my past. I, I, you know, I just was so well. I guess when the student is ready, the teacher is going to appear. And I was ready to do whatever she did because she 12-stepped me. She knew better than I did. So and that's when I surrendered, and that's when I asked God to forgive me and to help me. And I felt this power, this electricity that they're talking about here that I couldn't see and touch go through my body. And I heard three words in my head, forgiveness, acceptance, and honesty. And then I was going to get up. I did get up. I felt joy and peace and something lifted off my shoulder. And I headed for the kitchen. I was going to go eat. And God said to me, I heard this small voice in my head saying, Vasa, you just put the food in, in, your, in my hands. You just ate. You had your supper. You're going to go and eat again? I was terrified. I turned around, and I went to the bedroom. I could not sleep the whole night. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Okay. Thank you, Vasa. I'm just going to take a minute here on this step, too. I think what, what was pre that my name is Janice M and I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. You know the simplicity, as was mentioned, the simplicity of this step is so simple that as a compulsive overeater, I complicated it so much. I was going to try to define it. I was defiant. I wanted. I thought I had to have it already. Um, you know. Well, it doesn't tell us this. Like it was said, if I don't need a power greater than myself, then I don't need a power. If I'm the power, you know, if I'm the power and I can solve my, my problem of compulsive overeating, which I tried for decades, like it says, a tedious process. <laughs> it took a long time for this compulsive overeater to uh, be persuaded that I could not do it anymore. And I think this is what this step is all about, that I finally, finally concluded there must be something else out there because I've tried everything. 
you know, and it's and it's telling us here that why should I? Why should I believe this? Well, if if I can't find a way through any human method that I try between diet pills and and diets and and I was playing God and I needed an, an analysis and I needed a reason and I need you know those things did not work for me. So that's why I needed to look for a power. That's all it's asking me to do. And it uh, doesn't say the, the who to do or how to do it or what it should be. It, it doesn't say that. It's my conclusion here that I need a power greater than me, a greater human power, and it's not me. <laughs> you know, and just be willing to believe. It doesn't even tell us what. When I go in, the, you know, at night and I put a switch on, I'm willing to believe that that light's going to go on. And that's all that it is that it's telling me to do is to just wait. Don't be a stickler. Don't be a. I and that's what I was a stickler. I insisted. I uh, I, I debated. I, I needed to know. It doesn't tell me that. It says just be gentle. If you can't do it, we guarantee that you will find a power greater than yours by practicing these steps. Okay, we have time for one more on this paragraph, perhaps. This is Bella. Can I share? Yeah. I'd like okay, to share. Okay, I heard Bella and you. Do. Okay, let's have Bella and do, please. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. The reader may still ask why. Wow, such a freedom that I can ask questions. Before I was in the program, I couldn't ask questions. I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I had to accept life the way it is. And my ego didn't like it. My ego didn't want this way. So my life was all the time like a war. I wanted to show I am different, I know better, I, I can change things. Well, things didn't go all the time the way I wanted. Things didn't go the way I expected. And then when I felt a failure, you see, Bella, if you would listen you would be a successful person. You see, Bella, if you would listen, you would lose weight. And I, you know, I believe that I am a failure. Thank you, God, that when I came to the program, I, my, open, my eyes just opened up. Wow, I am allowed to ask questions. I am allowed to say, well, I don't understand. Well, explain to me. And today I am not in a war. Today I don't need an approval for my life, for my existence. Thank you, God. Today I am connected to a higher power. And yes, I don't understand things. And it's okay. Sometimes I, I get answers. And sometimes not. Sometimes... I do understand my challenges, and sometimes not. And it's okay, not everything I have to understand. But it's a freedom. I am allowed to ask questions. I am human. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything all the time. Today I am, I know, I am human, and I am powerless. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella. Do you're up. Good morning. This is Duell, um, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Thank you for your service, Janice. Um, yeah, this really, this paragraph really speaks to me because when I came into program, I was so arrogant. Um, I was going to prove to you that electricity was something that could be understood and that scientifically could be proven how it works. And I was going to get into all the issues of, you know, how I was going to be the stickler for the facts and results and how I didn't need God because I was the great I am. And, uh, 
you know, so I, I got into the subject about electricity and, you know, I was going to prove about the positives and negative polarities of, of the electricity and how you could do it in scientific lab and, you know, how how all these devices come to work and, you know, and how the poles and the, the towers need to be up and how everything works together. And what I didn't realize that electricity for me had nothing to do with understanding how it worked. Because even if I understood how it worked, the point is I had to be dependent on it. I had to be dependent on it. And I thought, well, I'm an independent person. I could go out there. I can work. I can pay my bills. I can pay the electric company. And I can come home, and I know how to switch on a light switch. That's how great I am. And, you know, as I was going through this in my personal study, someone approached me and said, well, let's, let's look at this. And he said, well, if you're so independent, um, do you really have to depend on other people to get the electricity? And I said, no, I don't. I really don't. I was that arrogant. And I said, it's, it's funny that, you know, um, there are people that go out there every morning to Con Edison and have to put up these towers and have to switch on the, the electricity and have to maintain the um, electrical uh, towers in order for you to get electricity. And God forbid that those poles go down for some reason and the electricity doesn't reach your home. There are workers out there working on your behalf even before you get up, even before you rise up. People are already working on your behalf. So in reality, you are dependent on things that you really don't even understand or have a conception about. Because everything in society is working in harmony to come about with a result. And that really floored me. That really humbled me because I realized that I was not as independent as I thought I was. And that I was depending on things that I was not even able to understand. And yes, there's some things that I'm going to theorize about and I'm going to debate and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to be a stickler for. But my dependency I can't explain that, you know, I can't understand that, that I'm dependent on things that always I'm dependent on things that I may not even be aware of. And, and that's what brings me to this, you know, about my spirituality with God. I don't have to understand God. I don't have to understand every single spiritual value there is out there. I just have to know that it works. I just have to know that I get the benefits of it. Just like when I turn on that light switch and, and things get easier and brighter and I don't have to go out there and chop wood and, and build a fire and do all those things, I am, you know, it just makes my life easier. So I'm just grateful that, you know, that God has brought me into a humble state of really seeing that I am dependent on things that I may not understand but I can also benefit from them if I just give myself into it. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful for that lesson and for God humbling me in such a way. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you, Drew. I think we're going to go on. Um, Sharon, would you kindly start reading that third paragraph? Excuse me, moderator. Hello, this is Rose. Is this a big book, the OA Big Book study meeting? It is the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Study Meeting. Yes, it is. Thank you. OA. Okay. Okay. OA. Yes. Okay, well, Sharon F. Sharon? Uh, okay, Janice. This is Sharon R.S. <laughs> I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning. Uh, everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality. To illustrate, the Posaic steel girder is a mass 
of electrons swirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface, and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Now, I have to say that I'm of the believing nature, and I also uh, really, I found my higher power in nature, and I... Uh, you know, looked at the clouds, and I believe in the in that there has to be a God when you look out at this vast, organized universe. There has to be some intelligence pulling it all together. And I studied science and and got my degrees in biology and chemistry. And yet, I'm a compulsive overeater, so I have those. I I believe what comes to me in this reading. I step back to that first paragraph. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof uh, and outward appearances are not inward reality? This uh, takes me back to more about alcoholics at page 30, where we looked at ourselves, outward appearances. Outward appearances said that we were compulsive overeaters. Our body showed it, and if we were able to keep our weight down by uh, endless means of, of, uh, in my case, restricting uh, and uh, exercising, I tried purging, all of these things in order to make reality different than what it should be, to to be able to eat and not have the, the effects. Uh, shown on my body. Uh, and then I had this great obsession, this illusion. So I, I, we as compulsive overeaters, more than most, live in, in uh, a fantasy land, live in an unreal reality. Bill is trying to pull us into, the, into reality to, instead of seeing this false world where we can eat what we want and then have what we imagine. Uh, and and then we, we persist to in this false world, this false belief, until insanity or death. We we hold on to the to the false reality. And Bill is saying, reach out your hand to a different reality. You you cannot see it with your eyes necessarily. You can't see that there is a power greater than you that can restore you to sanity. But there is that. It's true. It's real. The evidence for me of this truth was in the people, like on this phone call, in the people that tell me of their of their recovery. I can hear it in their voice. I can hear it in their stories that there is another way, a better way. And if I believe the way they believe, I can have what they have. That was good enough for me to make a beginning to adopt a a new reality, a new truth. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon R.S. Who would like to comment on the two paragraphs just read? Could I share? My name is Mara. Mara, please go ahead. Sorry, thank Marissa. you. All right, let's have Mara. Marissa? Larissa with an L. Larissa. Anybody else? Marty M. I heard somebody. Sarah M. Margie. Is it Margie M? Sally. Yeah, Okay, Margie M. I heard Sarah W. 
I heard Sally, and I heard one more. Robbie. Yeah, that's who it is, Robbie. Carolyn Carolyn H. Okay, we'll go with those, and then we'll we'll, we'll see how much time we have. Okay, Mara, please. Hi, thank you for your service. Hi, good morning, everybody. I'm Mara, anorexic compulsive overeater in Chicago. Um, You know, I, I, I love everyone's comments. You know, like the other day I was putting batteries in, and, you know, you put the positive on one and the negative on the other. I don't understand why, but I do it. And because it works. But then I was thinking about it and I thought, okay, the evidence of God in my life. And there's so much evidence. But I think the distinction for me is because it's not, but it is concrete. It's acknowledging that that's God. Like when I think about like I have a relationship with my sister today because of the steps. That's God, not Mara. So that's the distinction for me. I need to say I didn't make all that happen. I did my part, but what happened was that that's evidence of God in my life. And that's, that's what I keep coming to lately, and thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Mara. Larissa, you're up. Larissa? Star one-to-one mute. Can you hear me? Good morning. I can thank hear you, you well. Great. Thank you, everyone, for your service. My name is Larissa. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and relapsed survivor in the suburbs of New York City. Um, really love everything that's been said this morning. I love this paragraph because I am of the agnostic variety. I came into program not believing in any form of God, but I was a worshiper of science, logic, reason, intellect. Those were things that I bowed down to. And so the way this paragraph uses intellect and reason and science and logic to melt my closed off heart is so powerful to me. So, you know, this is the 1930s where, you know, they were just, they barely knew anything yet about how the scientific world around them worked. And yet Bill knew of how electricity worked and knew that the electrons in the steel girder. And, you know, you think about that time in the building of like the great skyscrapers in New York City and then trying to sort of prove all that they could create in the world. And yet even the structures with which they were building were made up of components that they could not see or fully understand. And so I, I just love the reminder that this melts that intellectual side and says even in science there's stuff you can't see that works, and it just does, and you have to take those laws and operate within them. And then the part of this paragraph that talks about life going, you know, being of nothing, for nothing, going towards nothing, you know, that's a way to live. It's an option. But when I lived my life that way, it forced me into needing to compulsively use to handle life because life had no meaning. And believing in a God, I always say to people intrinsically, I can't prove that there is or isn't a God. But believing in one has manifested one in my life in a way that life is infinitely more livable. And I have no need, wish, or desire to turn to the self-destructive things that were blocking me from that energy that heals me in the world and preventing me from being of use in the world. So today, I get to live a life of sane and happy usefulness. There's purpose as to why I exist and why I'm here as opposed to being of nothing, going towards nothing, for nothing. And so I don't view it as right, wrong, or good, bad, or immutably provable, but living life, believing in a God of my understanding, gives me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And not believing in one gave me arrogance, gave me debate, gave me the need to harm myself and others um, as a way to cope. And that really wasn't a viable way to live. Um, thank you so much for letting me share with that account. And thank you, Larissa. Just a re- gentle reminder to keep our um, phones on star one muted if you're not speaking, okay? All right, my GM, please, you're up. Star one to unmute. My GM? Maybe we lost her. Okay, Sarah W., we can come back to her. Sarah W., please. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. 
This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, it's my, you know, the second step, I think, is so, um, you know, people talk about the first step being the foundation of our recovery, and yes, it needs to be for me, um, you know, to, to admit that I am powerless, you know, that my life is unmanageable, um, and to really be at a place, you know, at the very bottom of everything, whatever it is, whether it be with the food or many other things. And, you know, to have that leap of faith where I say, you know, I think I can believe in something. And I was thinking, you know, I'm a, I was a labor and delivery nurse for a long time. And I have been a, a mother, you know, I have had a, had a pregnancy. And I was thinking about the whole idea of, you know, the uniqueness of having a baby inside of us. You know, we don't see it. Um, you know, before, you know, before 20 weeks, we don't feel it. Typically, before 16 weeks, we don't feel it. But we know it's there. And and then, you know, through this miracle of life, you know, we end up, you know, uh, starting to feel the baby move, and then we, we give birth. And I kind of look at the steps like that. You know, it's it's such a huge process and such a beautiful process. And with it, we unfold, you know, it says that we're reborn and we are. Uh, but the second step really, I think, is such a huge turning point because it starts to, to have me say to myself in humility that I am not able to deal with this any longer, that I cannot do that. That's the reality of it. I cannot do it, so what can? And, you know, we've already been in, um, there is a solution. We've already been in uh, more about alcoholism. And now we're in we agnostics. And, you know, the we agnostics is really talking all about ways to find that power, ways to come about. And I think it is overly complicated. But for me, I really had to put aside my old ideas and start fresh. And that's the way I came to, you know, came to, woke up. And I'm so grateful for that today because, you know, in going through a lot of things in our lives, this power can can be with us throughout everything. We may lose husbands, children, all these things that, that you know, you know, life is, is ever-changing, and yet we have this thing that walks with us, this inner feeling, this, this knowledge that we are not alone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah W. Is Marjorie M. available? All right. We're going to go on to Sally. Sally A., please. Thank you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. So I wanted to speak to this sentence, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. And it goes on. So what is Bill trying to tell us here? For starters, the word prosaic, the prosaic, it means an ordinary, lifeless, dull, steel girder is a mass of electrons. And and what Bill is trying to tell us here is that an unseen complexity, that there is an unseen complexity to this universe. That's what we're being told here, that there is an unseen complexity. The fact is, and this is a fact, It's chemistry, that the air, the water that we look at, the land, fire, all these things are created and are made up of elements. And so he's talking about this ordinary, lifeless, dull steel girder is a mass of electrons. It's the unseen complexity to our universe. And what the whole point that he's trying to make here is that we all have to have something that we depend on. We all understand lack of power, that was our dilemma. And we have to have something that we depend on. I know that that's his point because, as it was mentioned earlier in the 12 and 12 on 36, 37, 38, he's talking about dependence. He's talking about what are you depending on. The word dependence means a state of needing something or something or someone else for support, help reliance, trust. 
that we all need something. We have to be able to depend on something outside of ourselves because we just weren't getting the job done. That's the bottom line. And I just want to end by saying, you know, there's this great commercial on TV. I don't even watch TV. But I remember this commercial, and this one line is in my head. What's in your wallet? And what do you think they're asking you when they ask you that question? What's in your wallet? They're asking you, who are you depending on? What credit card are you depending on? And the question of the hour here, right here in this paragraph is, who or what are you depending on? Because you're not going to get this thing done. You're not going to get well. You're not going to get recovered based on your own strength or power. You have to depend on something else. Think about it. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Sally. Hey, Rabia, you're up. Good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Rabia. I am a compulsive overeater from New York. And, well, I have, today is 21 days uh, back from relapse, and I'm so grateful for this new journey through the steps, these wondrous steps. And I want to speak to those of us on the line who have just put the food down, who who have a new journey through these steps, the first time, the hundredth time, um, whatever, that it is guaranteed we will have a new experience with um, a power of our understanding by the time we get to the twelfth step, and, and that is a guarantee. So, so, So for those of us who have just put the food down, this, can seem like, to me, it's seeming like we read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments. I mean, this all seems like lots of words. You know, there's more than 250 of us on the line. Everybody has their own idea and experience. And and I need to keep it simple because right before that, I read an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. And so... So I'm going to have a new experience with love. I'm going to have a new experience with the power um, that's going to give me uh, the the strength to keep my food down, to give me a neutrality with food when I get to the 10th step. And, and I don't have the luxury of dissecting each one of these paragraphs Um you know, I need to go through these steps quickly, and and so do we all who have just put the food down. And so, um, you know, it's nice. I don't, I don't know if it's nice or not. I'm not even going to go there because um, I'm, I'm just saying that um, how important it is to keep moving forward. And, um, you know, and here's a thought, and I'll end with this because I would just – from where I'm at, I was I was thinking, you know, like we go through the wife at the end, and to the employee, we 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 pretty much go through those chapters pretty quickly, and and I, I'm just thinking, wishing we were going through this chapter quickly because this is um, really just coming to believe. It, it, you know, once I put the food down, it, it's a it's a one minute conversation with my sponsor, and then it's moving forward. So. Um, I just want to give that perspective to those of us who are right here right now. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Rafia. We have about two or three minutes if someone wants to wrap it up. Suji? Leah. Hi. On the line, Leigh, and I'd like to know what what the reading was for today, please. Okay. It's page 48 and 49, okay? Yeah, okay, good. In the big book. Yes, that's correct. All righty. Um, let's see. Who did I hear? Uh, Suji and Leah. That's the, the, we only have time for those two. And we'll wrap it up. Thank you. Go ahead, Suji. Are you Hi, yeah. Yes, I am. I'm muting and unmuting. It's Suji <laughs> from Pennsylvania. Grateful, grateful, grateful to be here. Um I'd like to add another perspective, which is the sideways perspective. Um, back to page 563, the 12 traditions, the long form. So I'm going to read tradition one, and my, my motivation is that we're, we're really talking about the, the going from step one to step two, 
coming to believe in step two. And that, to me, the, the tradition, the first tradition, especially in the long form, is a bridge. It, it's a bridge. It's an approximation. It's another way of looking at this developing belief that we have, the willingness to believe. So here's the bridge. It's the fellowship that's the bridge, and it says about it, each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of the great whole. AA must continue to live, or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare follows close afterwards. And it's sort of like a like if I look at, well, the God of intellect, well, we've got that in, in my background. This is personal. You don't have to buy it. But, but it says in the AA 12 and 12 that the, the intellect is great, provided that humility precedes it, and per, provided that we, we don't think that we're gods just because we're intellectuals, and we, we're willing to admit we don't know. And, and here it tells about how the fellowship can, can help us, that the common welfare comes first. Then the individual welfare follows, and I underlined close afterward. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you. Leah, would you like to wrap it up? Thank you so much, Janice. Hi, everybody. It's Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And does not sign demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof. I mean, essentially, you know, this chapter, We Agnostics, is giving some arguments why we should change our mind. You know, and this first argument that they're offering here is that, scientifically speaking, a theory that's grounded in fact that works is worth trying out, you know, such as electricity. And, you know, I don't know about your disease. I can tell you about mine. I was absolutely cornered. you know, I had to reconsider and or die, essentially, is what it came down to for someone like me. And I had been raised in a very intellectual, academic environment where everything had to make sense and self-sufficiency and self-reliance, you know, was uh, what was worshipped, so to speak. And, you know, when I got to this point, I didn't have time to try to figure all this out or define it or come up with, you know... A, an absolute comprehension. I just had to take a leap. And that is the simplicity of this whole thing, is that what are the results? What were the results of the way I was living? The results of the way I was living and thinking and feeling and behaving was tremendous suffering and torture, misery, and, and, and wishes for suicide. You know, that was the result of the way I had been living. My core belief system had deteriorated every facet of my life. It had altered my personality for the worse. It had given me violent twists. And yet, on the other hand, what were the results of people who took a leap in this step two? The results were they were walking this planet free men and women. The result was that the obsession of the mind after uh, submitting themselves to this process had been driven out and they were free from the shackles of this, of this illness. That was the result. And so, you know, all growth is a leap in the dark with, without the benefit of experience. I didn't have any personal experience, but you guys did. Those people who carried a message of depth and weight had the experience. They had lived through this. And so based on that and based on looking in the mirror and seeing my own results, I took a leap. Without comprehension, without full understanding, I took a leap because that theory seemed to work, and I was willing to proceed. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone that shared. And those that didn't have time, we have another meeting. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, We'll do Al, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Do Al. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. Um, 164. You got it. This is, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.